0: Welcome Mind Tribers, and to everybody on a self-development journey to improve their mind, body, spirit and business lives. Now today we've got a very special guest. It is Philip DeBella, um, an entrepreneur who, if those of you who haven't heard of him, is truly inspirational and um, an incredibly driven human being. Um, now he's the director of the DeBella Group of Companies. And um, yeah, so for those of you who haven't heard of Debella Coffee, um, next time you're in a coffee shop or wherever it is in Australia, you will likely see Debella Coffee. So uh, Phil was obviously the founder of Debella Coffee and uh, now uh, heads up the Coffee Commune, uh, which is now a way to. Uh, bring the coffee community together. And it's just truly inspirational. I was at an event there recently uh, to see that in action and what that means. And hopefully we'll talk a bit about that today. Um, Now, not satisfied by simply doing all this amazing stuff that Phil's done over the years, um, he actually gives back to the community in a big way. And um, what is often referred to as an entrepreneur in residence, uh, Philip lends his time for strategic thinking to businesses such as BDO, where he's there helping businesses overcome challenges, uh, looking for new opportunities, and then supporting with the commercialization and getting them out there. Um, Philip has also furthered his commitment uh, with coaching and mentorship, uh, again, through the Coffee Commune. You know, there's uh, something I went to recently, which was Emerging Leaders, um, and that was just an amazing event. We'll talk a bit about the stuff there today in terms of people and personal brand, Um, but again, really inspirational to see. Now, as if all that wasn't enough, You know, Phil has also uh, been in the Business Review Weekly Fast 100 accolades, uh, the Lord Mayor's Corporate Citizen Awards, uh, and he even even has a knighthood uh, by the Italian community, uh, and is an adjunct professor of entrepreneurship from Griffith University. For those of you who are in Brisbane, at least there's a coffee commune that's um, you know come out recently. I was just incredibly uh, inspired by a recent talk that you did, talking about people and that sort
1: of thing. Uh, Phil, can you just share with me some of those things today? Yeah, look, um, to me, I always talk about Ben that it's it's we're in the people business, and the amount of you know um, presentations or workshops or things I've done over the years. And I love asking people what industry you're in, and um, and all sorts of stuff pop out. You know, I'm in finance, I'm in legals, I'm this, and I'm that. And um very rarely do you get people to turn around and just say, you know what, I'm in the people business. And and to me, everything starts and finishes with people. So uh, I like um talking about business, and um, don't get me wrong, um, the concept of business is something I've always loved from a young age. Um, entrepreneurship is a mindset to me, uh, but I'm really passionate about people and understand that people uh, is what it's all about. And how
0: many founders do you think get that wrong when they sort of go on that journey and, you know, get everything right,
1: but then they just sort of go in and just they just... Completely stuff that up. Well, to me, what I see is a lot of people try and get the technical stuff right. They try and become. If you're trying to be an accountant, you, you try and be technically brilliant at accounting. Uh, if you want to be a lawyer, you try to be technically brilliant at being a lawyer. Uh, I got colleagues of mine, all three thousand of them, that are in the coffee business, trying to be technically brilliant at coffee, and and they forgo the one fundamental, which is you can be technically brilliant at skills, but who's going to be technically brilliant with trying to get clients? Who's going to be yeah. technically brilliant in emotional engagement in um you know client retention? So all the things that evolve around a sale is about people and um, I see it all the time that, you know, nine out of ten people in business forget, especially startups, forget that you have to be an expert in people. So it's, it's a tip that I always say to people, before, you know, or when you become an expert in your field, that's great, but it's not time to go out on your own or it's not time to, to branch out to try and build a business until you can technically uh, be brilliant with people and engage with people.
0: And in, in terms of that, it, you know, obviously when you're dealing with people, you're sort of representing yourself. Um, it's something that was really sort of sung to me the other day in your, your talk was your personal brand and sort of um, something I know you sort of talked about a bit in your book as well. Okay. Um,
1: so you talk a bit about that? Yeah, look, the um, brand is what people say about you when you leave the room. And um, unfortunately, people don't spend too much time thinking about that. Uh, they're very quick to burn, you know, their personal brand, whether it's when they're leaving a job, uh, whether they're, you know, the, the way they deal with their colleagues or they deal with clients. Remember that every interaction you have with um even yourself, the interaction you have with yourself, with your peers, with a client, you're building a brand. Uh, and it takes a long time to build a brand and it takes one, you know, very simple mistake to destroy your brand. And what is personal brand? What are people saying about you when you leave the room? Uh, you know, because that's when the truth comes out and what people think. And so I said to people, spend a lot of time, you know, working on and being conscious, which is a key word, uh, being conscious of, uh, everything you're doing is building a personal brand.
0: I absolutely love that. And, um, you know, there, there is a lot of the younger generation in particular that just go from job to job and they don't really, you know, they might resign and a month is the, they're just checking out and, and not really, uh, you know, talking to that attribute. So that's uh well said. Um now I just want to talk to you a bit about your journey. So how did you first of all get into entrepreneurship and business? What
1: Yeah, looked um entrepreneurship uh you know I figure out now and well ages ago. It's in the blood, right? I I think um you know an entrepreneur is about um it's about nature and nurture. Uh, my dad's very entrepreneurial thinking. Uh you know whilst he came here to Australia, migrated to Australia with my mum and my brother and my sister, there was four of them. I was born in Australia. Um you know dad's story back in Italy before I was born, he used to Buy uh, fruit and veggies from farmers direct, and then go and sell them at the markets. And um, he told me that story, and, and you understand that he was quite an entrepreneurial thinker. And to me, that's why entrepreneurship's a mindset. Uh, you know, back when he was doing that 60, 70 years ago, he wasn't thinking about being an entrepreneur. Uh, he was thinking about how do I make life, how do I make ends meet. Um, more importantly, he'd look at something, and say, how can I do it different or better? How do I generate my own resources? And that, to me, is what the basis of entrepreneurship is. And and I think step one was. That but I was brought up with that. I was brought up with an entrepreneurial environment on how do we look at things and say we can do that different or better. And, and as I said, I come from working class. My dad migrated to – you know, when he left Italy, that was the end of business. He came here and he worked for the government um, as a yardsman at the Royal Brisbane Hospital for 30-odd years. You know, so there, but he was still entrepreneurial in the way he went about things. He used to see the way he'd keep the gardens clean, the way he'd empty the bins, the the way he'd hose everything down and all this sort of stuff. Everything he attacked, he looked at it from, how can I do it different or better? And he generated his own resources and, um, down to getting a buggy fitted out with, you know, with all these attachments so that he could, he worked out that he could get his job done, you know, five hours quicker, uh, if he had a motorized buggy to take him around the grounds of the Royal Brisbane Hospital to, um, to get everything. And everyone was like, geez, nothing's ever been so clean. Everything's been so neat. Um, so, it just goes to show um that that was the nature um so yeah the nature part of it, and then the nurture was my dad used to work for um on Sundays because. He um he got paid double time on a Sunday, and when I said double time, he was earning four hundred and fifty dollars a week. That's how he brought up a family. Uh and um, so it came quickly to learn that it's not about money; it's about what you do with that money. And he made that money go a long way. We we didn't go without. We didn't have extravagant holidays. We didn't have brand new cars or the rest of it. But we never went without. We had great food on the table, great moments, great times. You know, we, the values were in different areas. It was at that point from a young kid, and um, I can't pinpoint an age, but I'd guess it'd be around 9, 10, 11, old enough to understand and say, well, mum, why do we only get one day on a weekend with dad um, when every other kid gets two days with their parents? And, and mum was like, well, your dad works on a Sunday because he gets paid double time. So that's an extra, you know, $60 um, if he works on a Sunday uh, that helps bring up the family. And it was at that point, I remember clearly where I said, well, I want to be in control of my own destiny. So that um, whole nurture part of, you know what? I want to be in control of my own destiny. I want to be in a place where I create something. And that led on then to my money goals being enough money to do what I want when I want. Um, and I, it's something I've continued on. I'm 46 now and, and I keep talking about that, 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 that was the shaping. But if you bring back the entrepreneurial story of myself, um, one, it's not a title. It's, it's an intelligence. It was an intelligence that from a nature point Point of view um, was brought into me by my surroundings, and from a nurture point of view, by my family.
0: Absolutely love that. And you know, the staying, um stuck with me over the years is, you know, entrepreneurship is like living years of your life like most people won't, so you can live the rest of your life like most people can't. And just talking to that sort of freedom piece is was that a
1: bit the big motivator for you to kind of go, you know, that yeah, was the- for it's- sure. You know, when you see, you know, it's, I I've, I appreciate and always loved what we had but I also used what we didn't have as fuel as a motivation, you know? So like I love cars. Um, my parents never had a brand new car and now I've been able to buy two for them, you know, um, which gives me great honor and pleasure. You know, now dad's 85, so his driving days are finishing. But, um, you know, I had a love of cars. So I didn't get angry the fact that we never had a nice car. I used that as fuel to say, well, be, you know, and that's why my favorite saying in the world is Gandhi's be part of the change you want to see in the world. Um, is because I didn't look at that and was remorseful or resentful towards my parents. I looked at that and said, well, I don't want to be in this position. What am I going to do to be part yes. of the change? Uh, and so I used it as a positive emotion. And, you know, and a lot of what we'll talk about and I talk about is mindset. So I used my scenario as a way to shape my mindset to say, well, I'm going to have a growth mindset and look at things and how I can be more positive and um, just, I might be missing out now, but in order to not miss out, I need to do X, Y, Z. And
0: you sort of talked to that earlier in terms of that mindset or, or is attitude. It's it's the, you know, some people call it that mongrel or the something in you, that fire in your belly that that's-
1: um... It's a resilience. I call it resilience, right? Yeah. Um, you know, resilient, passionate people are resilient. They, they do you know, when I started selling coffee in 2002 for myself and under Develop Coffee, started with 5,000 one man band, the amount of no, 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 no. Now I didn't get upset. I didn't get angry. Again, I used the positive mindset and I said, well, let's find out why people say no. You know, no, I don't know your brand. No, I, um, I don't know enough about your company. You haven't been around. No, I haven't tried your product. I took all these no's. I collected the data. I analyzed the data and then I built strategies. So I said, I have got to get product into people's hands. So I went to the farmers markets and started pouring coffees at a farmer's market. And I would get people tasting the product, get the feedback. People loved it. They loved the fact it blended with milk. It didn't need sugar. They started talking about it. Then next-minute cafes would ring me and say, hey, I've heard about this new product. I want to try it. Um, I shaped the strategy to – mapped out the CBD of Brisbane, and I found the first cafe from every road that led into the CBD to get around the brand piece, and I put barriers and umbrellas. Um, and so within three months, incredible. people were like, this company's massive. And really, we had like seven or eight accounts, but it looked like we were massive because I strategically placed the accounts and put the branding up so that people thought, hey, because success breeds success. So that all came from looking at the no's. When everyone said no, I would take the data of why they said no. I would analyze that data, then build strategies. That's just incredible.
0: And so clearly, it's almost like the way I see it, it it wouldn't matter what you did in a way. I think you've just had that drive to, to kind of apply yourself. Um, but early on, sort of, you sort of circling back to your early career, sort of with coffee traders and that sort of thing. Um, obviously that was quite a well-known thing too. And was that the sort of foundations there that sort of helped everything before?
1: Well, look, um, coffee, uh, I'm, I've always been an inquisitive mind. Um, and I think you'll find that successful people have a very, and whether that success is working for someone with somebody doesn't have to be successful to own your own business. Um, an inquisitive a, a successful person's got an inquisitive mind they ask questions they want to know more they want to keep being better today than what they were yesterday uh, and for me um, knowing okay well I got exposed by the liquid of coffee very early from my parents you know dad loves coffee so from an early age I'd see him drink coffee I'd see family members come over so I got to see the end product of what coffee did which was unite families um, bring people together I then reverse engineered it well then how's it manufactured and then from manufacturing once I learned that uh, I went well where's it come from so I started to learn more about the farms, uh, and then I started to say, well, hang on, um, what are the future problems here? The future problems are supply. Um, growers aren't sustainable. They're not sustainable because they don't know about what happens to their product when they leave. They're just treated as a commodity. And I started to look at these things with the inquisitive mind and say, well, how do we – you know, it starts and finishes with the farmer. So if we don't get it from the farm – Then we don't have a cup of coffee. If we don't have petrol, you can own the best car in the world. There's no, the car's not going anywhere without petrol. So I built a system called crop to cup and it was all about building a complete ecosystem from start to finish and owning that process so that we could look after the farmers, be sustainable, have, um, you know, product guarantee, quality guarantee, know exactly what was happening, make sure it was direct trade and people were being looked after. No one was getting screwed over in the process. And then right through to making sure that people would have the ultimate coffee experience at the end. And that's
0: incredible. I'm, I'm, what I'm loving at the moment is what you're doing with the um, with the co- coffee commune, right? And and sort of that community of yeah. of people. And uh, there's a great story that you're telling me about how somebody that their roasting machine had. You know, broken and yep. they couldn't operate. Yet they could go to coffee commune.
1: Yeah, and look, and the coffee commune where it's different is again. I, I use the same template. What problem are we going to solve? What's um, you know, being quite futuristic and and seeing what elements that we can help. How do we bring people together? How we're we going to be relevant? And whilst the Bella Coffee was about building one brand going out, and then I sold it, moved on. I said, if I'm going to do something again, it's going to be about building the industry together. How do we build collaboration? How do we build an ecosystem? Um, I don't want to build a coffee brand. I want to build a facility. I want to build a movement. I want to be to build an ecosystem of where people can come together. And in, in short, what it did is I, I wrote down all the problems I had in 2002. I was a one-man band. I didn't have buying power. I didn't have access to education. I didn't have capital. Uh, you know, All the problems that I had in 2002, the coffee commune now solves. When I had a breakdown, I had nowhere to go. Now, the Coffee Commune does ticks all those boxes and more. You can come and start your own coffee brand overnight with no capital. You will have the same buying power as what I did when I was the largest in the country. You will have access to a hundred courses online and and thought leader series. You'll be invited to all sorts of events that you'll meet new suppliers and, and all the rest of it. We we do advocacy with local, state and federal government on the ha- behalf of our of our members. Uh, so we we've built this entire ecosystem that at the end of the day the brand promises about accelerating someone's potential. So the problem we're solving is helping people to accelerate their potential to be better today than what they were yesterday. And the concept came. It started with all the problems I had when I started in 2002. But along the way, what it's done is um, it's looked at it as being quite futuristic, that the future of most businesses are going to be how people come together to collaborate, mm. to work together in one force, and COVID has sped that up. So it's Absolutely. something we're going to see across multiple industries moving forward.
0: Yeah, and I sort of love that whole, um, especially local, right? It, it's COVID sort of made us all band together as, as a country <laughs> uh, to sort of help help each other out. And I think the coffee commune is well-placed for that in terms of sort of, you know, growers and just helping
1: everyone. Together. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. now we can't use the words crop to cup because that obviously got sold with Debella, but we talk about plantation to consumer. It's the same concept, you know? So we've got members that are growers, we've got members that are coffee enthusiasts, we've got members that are suppliers, baristas, roasters, um, all sorts of coffee shops, and uh, we have a product or service for each one of those segments. And the beauty of it is that you can interact with it independently. You don't have to be getting your coffee roasted by us to have access to the education. You can be a member without having to touch any of the coffee side of what we offer uh, and that's what makes it truly unique and one of a kind in the country is that it's not based off each other um it's 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 pick and choose what you want and even when we're quoting somebody so the breakdown that was a great one where we saved the client without mentioning brands and the rest of it but this client said you've saved me a hundred thousand um a week in billing so over four weeks he was wow. broken down there's four hundred thousand dollars he would have lost in billing if um we couldn't Allow him to use our equipment. If the coffee commune wasn't there, which means we, you know, our relevance is we saved four hundred thousand in a month of this person billing a client, uh, and that's powerful stuff. And recently, we've just landed a massive account out of um, um, Melbourne. And the bottom line difference to him is 250000 a year. And he said, I don't pay myself $250,000. you have just now put in my pocket, you know, apples for apples. You've saved me $250,000 to my bottom line. And they're the stories that I love of what the commune is doing. The commune is solving problems for people. Um, we've got another startup, which started with nothing six months ago, who's now supplying over 200 accounts wow. uh, across Brisbane. You know, he started with zero, well, you know, a business card, you know, a website and away he went. Now he's had to buy a van to service his clients. Um, you know, it's a great. Story. He's now supplying Harris Farms now. Harris Farms is a very well-known brand from Sydney that's come up into yeah, Brisbane, yeah. and he's supplying three of their outlets. And he's like, I would never have been able to be in a position to supply Harris Farms if I didn't have the backing, um, if I didn't operate out of the Coffee Commune as an ecosystem. So, you that's know, incredible. That's our stories. They're the stories we love. That's the, that's, that's what epitomizes success for the coffee commune. Uh, and for me personally, I start my day with how can I help? And I finish it with how do we help someone accelerate their potential? Yeah, there's a great quote
0: by Jim Rohn. It was, again, it was, um, you know, you, if you help as many people get what they want and help them out, you, you know, then eventually you sort of, it looks after yourself. And I, um, it, it seems to be that, um, yeah. And obviously it takes all of that learning curve and stuff and the errors out of obviously running a business. There's so many mistakes you can make along the way. You can buy too much stock. You can do this. You can do that. So it's, it's obviously making it, um, you know, a lot easier for people to get. Yeah. It. And
1: it's a different way to look at things. Again, it comes back to entrepreneurship. What is it? It's an intelligence. How do we look at things and say, how can we do it different or better? You know, anyone that's doing the same thing today in three years time is going to be in trouble. You know, and, and three is probably even too far out. If you're doing the same thing you're doing today in a year's time, you're in trouble. You know, Kodak was. Don't, you know, I always say to people, don't be Kodak, don't be Nokia, don't be Ericsson. You know, the Kodak was the first to invent digital camera, thought it go nowhere. Where are they today? Nokia and and, and Ericsson said no one's ever going to want a phone any bigger than you know, um, if seven se- seven or eight centimeters tall. Along comes the i you know iPhone, and they never thought for one minute people would switch to a phone four times the size. You know, it, it, never say never. You know, you've got to anticipate the market. You've got to. Constantly scenario plan. You've always got to be, you know, step three to four to five steps ahead of, of, of everybody else.
0: And with um, yourself, you've obviously self-educated yourself along the way. Um, and one of the things I think you went, went to Harvard, right? You did some stuff, um, over there. And what, what did getting a bit of formal education do for you? Like sort of going and, uh, you know, doing that course? Or-
1: Look, um, all, um, all education, not that I knew it at the time starting from uni, you know, we're at school and we think, oh, this is a crock of shit. Um, you know, and then we go to uni and we go, yeah, yeah, we know it all. This is what's going on here. Um, especially if they're not technical courses, like if you're studying to be a doctor, um, then it, you know, you know, you need to be there. Yeah. You know, I did business. I did commerce. Of course, after year one, year two, I thought I know everything. Um, you know, what the advice I give to people is every opportunity and every day you're learning something new, you're putting it in the bag, you're putting it in the bag, you're putting it in the bag. Um, you know, so I'm an avid learner now, but we all learn differently. You know, I'm a practical person, so where I struggled with, um, you know, school and struggled with university was that everything that was theory-based was being taught out of books from 30, 40, 50 years ago. It still does today. Some, some subjects have evolved, others haven't. Uh, um, but what I did is, so I changed the environment that I provided myself to learn, so when I did Harvard, I said, what do I want to learn more about in Harvard? And it was about negotiation. So there was a course called Strategic Negotiation being taught by real people, um, being Jib Zabinius. He's the strategic negotiator for Estee Lauder. So he's done all the mergers, acquisitions, and sales for Estee Lauder, who's, pro- I think, the biggest, yep. um, company in the, in the world. And he, he heads up their acquisitions and mergers and sales. And he was the guy teaching us. So we did a one year course in one week. You stay on campus. So the short answer is, you know, identify where you are and where you want to be and what's missing in terms of education and then go and find the the, the program or the the, the person or the mentor or whatever works for you. So people go, oh, do you have a mentor? You don't need to have a mentor. If mentorship works for you, get a mentor. You know, if if it's workshops that work for you. Get workshop if it's reading case studies. Whatever it is that that ticks the box for you is where you learn. There is no such thing as the magic Buddha. I used to say to people, you know, it's not about rubbing someone's tummy or the magic dust that you think that all of a sudden associating with someone or getting such and such as your mentor is going to mean you're successful. You've got to do the work. So the advice around learning is put the ingredients, put the the environment around you that you need so that you can easily do the work.
0: With um. There was there was a book that you're a part of, right? And and um, can you tell me a bit about that? The entrepreneurial intelligence. Yeah, 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 that
1: was written by Alan Bonsor, and it was about entrepreneurial intelligence. It was about you know in a world that would, around 2012, everyone's talking about entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Um, and he said, I want to write a book that really you know stops people thinking that I'm just going to open a business and away I go. You know, and he wrote that three in five businesses fail within 12 months, and that was the basis. That was his why of writing the book. So then he did a big case study on Debella over two years, and then he brought in other things like Apple and mentions other people. But the basis of the story was around myself and and the concept of Debella and how it was built. And what he came up with in that book of Entrepreneurial Intelligence is that the, the Venn diagram of it all starts with a vision. It all starts with a vision, and the vision for us was the ultimate coffee experience. The vision wasn't about building a massive company, the best company. The vision was to build the ultimate coffee experience, a place where the consumers could have an amazing coffee experience. Passion, well, passion was all about resilience. I was passionate about people. I was passionate about education. I was passionate about opportunity, you know, and that then formed the company of Debella. It wasn't that I was passionate about coffee. My number one passions were people, opportunity, um, and education. Then it went on to talk about brand, to get people to connect to you and to what you're creating in your movement. You need to emotionally engage them, with each, which is brand. And then everything's put together, um, being a Venn diagram in the middle with emotional intelligence, is that emotional intelligence is the glue that binds your vision, your passion, and your brand to make it happen. So it's the executing, call it silver bullet, that you can have a vision, you can be passionate, and you can build a brand, but if you don't execute it with emotional intelligence, then you're not going to get very far. Um, you know, it went on to be a bestseller, I think – um uh, Best sellers classified as 5,000 books. I think he sold at 20, 25,000 books. Um, yeah, it, it went on to do really well. It still gets asked for now. We don't have any print copies left that you can download it on iTunes, but entrepreneur intelligence by Alan Bonsall. Um, yeah, he's yeah. now writing a new one. So we're in, um, very early stages that again, same thing. It's his book. He writes it. Um, I'm just the subject and he uses other people as well, but he bases it. And we're talking about how to build a business from the outside in yeah. because he's, he's seen what I did with DeBella. Obviously he saw what I've done in New York with Abbotsford Road and with India. And Anything I do with Coffee Commune, I'm constantly building a business around from the outside in, a market space test of what's needed, what's relevant, what problems are we going to solve, you know, um, what what products and services do we need to add to, to what we're doing, what's, what's everyone else in the industry doing. Um, so we do a bit of a market space test and the concept is building the business from the outside in. I absolutely love that.
0: Now, with the EQ part of it, now, you, you obviously, people, got to be great with people, got to have that good, good EQ – how do you make sure that you're sort of, you know, uh, in the zone, so to speak, in terms of you're not just too stressed by the process of building the business and things like that? Is there a... Um, I mean, obviously we've all
1: been there, but is 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 there sort of ways to stay more mindful to that? Yeah, I um, you know, been through it personally. Harmony is what we're looking for. You know, um, get rid of this fallacy that we're going to achieve balance because I see so many people, and I was one of them, trying to achieve balance, and you you don't get balance, right? Your your life is in three areas: personal, professional, family. Um, you don't get eight hours on personal, eight hours family, eight hours professionally. Um, depends what stage of life you're in. So when I was building the company. Priority one was business. Priority two was, you know, was my fiance at the time. Um, you know, is my wife now, Jana. Um, and three was me personal. And, um, you know, when I started the company, I was fit. I was healthy. I was, I was on roaring on all cylinders. Um, and then after a few years, business again is the focus. Um, we, I get married. Um, that, so that's still second priority. Third is me. You know, fast forward 2008, we have a baby, you know, have a daughter. So work is still a priority, baby second. So, of course, the family life starting to cop a bit of a hiding because the wife's saying, where are you? You're not here. Um, and by this time, I'm nowhere to be seen. I'm starting to put weight on um, you know, you fast forward to 2015, well, 14 when I said, okay, well, it's time to look at selling. You know, my wife wanted to kill me. My kids didn't know who their dad was because three, three weeks a month I was away. Yeah, I had the biggest company in the country. Um, and I was 70 kilos overweight. Um, so I'm living proof that you can't have it all. Uh, you've got to look for harmony, uh, and that's my biggest advice to people. Be very mindful. Uh, it took me years to learn that, and if I can share people with that are coming through the journey at the beginning is stop trying to look for balance. You can't have it all, and I've seen people tear themselves apart because of it. You can't have the perfect marriage, the perfect family life, the perfect business, the perfect body all at the same time. What you need to do is you need to prioritise and search harmony. You need to realize that, you know, and I haven't found a person yet, and I speak to thousands of business owners and, and successful people. I haven't found perf- the person who's like, yeah, I've got it perfect. Everything's perfect. My job's perfect. My weight's perfect and my family life's perfect. It's, it's, there's no such thing. So stop trying to chase something that's not going to happen. What I say to people is prioritize. What is it a priority right now for you? Is it your personal life? Is it family life? Is it, um, you know, your business, um, or work life? What is it? Because somebody that's got issues with health, personal health is going to have a different priority to somebody who's just started a new company who's going to have a different priority if they've got a sick child. So understand that you've got three areas of your life, personal, professional, family, and you need to prioritise what's going on in your life right now to give it the due attention. And if you do that, the byproduct will be harmony. You will feel like you are in a harmonious state of mind because you're giving what needs attention, attention.
0: Do you find as you get a bit, um, you know, wiser about sort of how to approach things, how to do things a particular way, it gets more efficient for you in a way? Like you can do Mm. things... You know, you sort of... You're yeah, hacking, sure. you're hacking the entrepreneurship. And all. Yeah.
1: And that's wisdom, right? And yeah. I said to people, well, that's why I love hanging around people that are older than me. Um, and knowing things that are from people that have experienced things, they don't have to be older just by age, but older as in they've been there, they've done it because we don't know what we don't know. And when you speak to somebody who's done it, they're going to have a lot more wisdom and wisdom. The problem in the world at the moment is that we don't share enough of our wisdom. One of the reasons I love doing podcasts and stuff like this is that I love sharing my wisdom, but I love listening to other people's because I want to, sh- I want to learn from their wisdom, you know, so. It's, it's about this, um, you know, send and receive. You're sending out wisdom, but you also got to be in position where you're receiving wisdom from others. Um, you know, and, and you do, you you get that when you build that concept of wisdom, you know, and you're learning from other people, then you're learning to be more efficient. Like I, you know, talk about time management and I used to go, well, you know, just not enough time in the day. And, you know, a very close friend of mine said, who's very successful, very busy, global business, um, and says, like, get rid of your message bank. Why is, why is that? Well, you're going to ring the person back anyway, right? So why didn't you need to have to listen to a message bank?
0: Yeah, it's um, So then yeah. listen to it and then ring. It's
1: inefficient. <laughs> yeah. um, when are your meetings? I said, an hour. Why not cut them down to 40 minutes? Yeah, cut
0: funny.
1: them down to 40 minutes, leave 20 minutes to catch up in between. Um, do you put meetings in every day? Yes. Why don't you leave a free day? They call it the bank day. It's the rollover day. So you've had a busy week. You need to roll over a meeting, roll it down. Whether it's a Friday, whether it's a Wednesday, or you've got to, ha- you, you know, you had a week off, so you need you, you need to roll over meetings, put it into that bank day because you keep it free by rule of thumb, or I only put meetings on in the morning and leave the afternoons free. So all these little tips and tricks and and all the rest of it um, that I've learned is through people that are wiser than me that have been there, and I pick up that wisdom and then I put it into effect. And the byproduct is I become more efficient.
0: Oh, I absolutely love it. What
1: well, what do you do as a- Routine? Do you find,
0: um, I guess, in various stages where you go through, you know, life and you, you go, you're reflecting, you go, "Wow, I was in a pretty good place there," and you know, or had a good level of, say, balance. Mm-hmm. But do you do you do you have a particular way you start the day or?
1: No, look, I, um, I do, um, and that is I start the day with reflection and I finish it with reflection. Um, I try and add in breathing, five deep breaths, um, all because obviously the oxygen to the brain and it wakes you up and it calms you down. Um, you know, oxygen is an amazing thing. Um, yeah. lack of it is a dangerous thing. Um, such as, you know, obviously death is the extreme, but in between that, you've got anxiety, which I've been through in my life. Um, and anxiety is all about breathing. And, um, so I do start the day with, um, five deep breaths and, and a bit of reflection on, you know, right, this is what I'm going to do forward. And then I End the day with, um, you know, five deep breaths and say, right, this is what. This is what happened today, and I reconcile it. You know, um, am I perfect at it? No. Um, I'll do it f- at least five nights out of the seven. Uh, I try and meditate three or four times, a, you know, a week. And night time's always my best. I have um, tried to do it in the morning at times, but I always find that you know the night time's better for me. Yep. But um, yeah, I do try and do this, and what I call it is reconciling with yourself. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I'm far from perfect. Um, you know, and as someone once said to me, if you're perfect, you're not pushing hard enough. Uh, but um, <laughs> you know, I, I I make sure that I try and reconcile because people don't understand that you've got 60,000-plus thoughts a day. Um, you're feeding yourself some pretty bad shit sometimes. Yeah. Um, so if you don't reconcile in the morning and reconcile at night especially, um, that's a difference between a good sleep and a bad sleep.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Love and, and back to the breath, like there's a lot of, um, you know, yogis and, you know, it's only now that we're discovering how important breath is, mm. you mm. know, and um, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And do you find it makes a difference? Like if you go through a period of time, say meditation, for example, like you go... A month or a week without. Oh,
1: for sure. Um, especially around, you know, blood pressure, You, you know, like, um, years ago when I was heavily overweight, I had blood pressure issues. So I had to monitor my blood pressure every day and you could actually do it in between readings, you know, you could read your blood pressure and it'd be 150 over 110 and you'd sit there for five minutes and deep breathe or meditate. You take your blood pressure again and it's gone 140 over 100. It's just dropped. Um, it's incredible, um, you know, the power of breath and, and how it works. And because I'm a very pragmatic person, right? I'm, I'm, I like things to be tested, and you know, I don't question everything, but I don't, you know, I'm not gullible either, right? But I like to, I like facts. I don't like, you know, yep, there's going to be. I like black and white, and I, but I understand that there's going to be grey areas sometimes, you know. And that's part of the problem. What's going on with COVID and vaccines at the moment, right? There is a black and there is a white, but there's also a bit of grey. But unfortunately, the grey at the moment is out is, is outweighing the black and the white. Well, that's the same that goes on with conversations in our heads you know, we're very black and we're white individuals, but if the grey takes over, you can be in a dangerous space. Yeah. And, and we can see using the current scenario with vaccines, um, what happens when you're in a grey space. Yeah, I mean,
0: jeez, I had a really deep conversation with some people yesterday at lunch around vaccines and um, uh, without getting into the detail of that conversation... You know, Iceland was it seventy percent of people vaccinated, and it's just ripping through there. Yeah, it's, it's
1: uh... oh look, and 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 it's funny because I did a recording, I just don't know if I'm brazen enough to put it up yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, and I and it's probably a great time. You know, will you hear it first here on your podcast. Um, dealing with blacks and whites, it's very simple. Um, the vaccine will not eradicate COVID. These are facts. These are not opinions, right? Mm. The vaccine won't eradicate COVID because they've just found thousands of people that have had the vaccine with COVID. That's right. So that's a fact. Well, so vaccines will not eradicate COVID. Therefore, you can't use the argument of be vaccinated so we get rid of COVID. Gone. Finished. That one's gone out the window. Vaccines. True. Fact. Vaccines will limit your side effects if you catch COVID. Some will be asymptomatic regardless. Some that would have ended up in hospital won't end up in hospital. Some that would have ended up in a ventilator won't. Some that might would have died won't die. Um, the fact. Vaccines have improved, you know, um, people's ability to cope with COVID. Fact. Making vaccines mandatory is communism. It's dictatorship. Absolutely. It's, it's, you can't argue that Mm. because the concept of a vaccine to eradicate has now been disproved. If it was proven that a vaccine actually gets rid of COVID, then it's a no brainer. Mm. Everyone gets vaccinated. Everyone, you know, it gets rid of COVID done, put that one to bed and we wait for the next God help us thing that comes along. However, the biggest problem we have is that the wrong messaging is getting put out there and the grey area is taking over so people don't know what to believe. But if everyone uses that as an example of mindset to stay in the black and the white, you know, it's been proven that vaccines won't get rid of COVID because you can still catch COVID with a vaccine. So get rid of that. You're not taking a vaccine to help your son, your person, your grandmother, your auntie. You're taking a vaccine to help yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've taken more vaccines than most people because of the coffee countries I've travelled to. So I'm not an anti-vaxxer by far. Um, Will I take the vaccine? Yes. I won't have a choice because you want your freedoms, you want all the rest of it, unless, unfortunately, that's where we're going. But I would take, the motivation of taking a vaccine should not be because of the mandatory push. The, the vaccine should be taken because you feel vulnerable or feel more comfortable by taking it to limit the side effects if you were to catch COVID. Yeah. I'm not taking a vaccine to help my wife or my family, not because I'm selfish, because I actually become more dangerous. The moment you have the vaccine and you become you become more likely to be asymptomatic, which means before if I had COVID, I know I'm sick, I stay home. Now I've had the vaccine, I get COVID. I don't even know, and I spread it to those that That's right, that, yeah. that haven't had the vaccine. I become more dangerous again. And and I'm not. This isn't about the vaccine. I'm using that as an example of black, white, and grey. And I think more people need to talk like this.
0: Um, well, I think so. And I think a lot of people, you know, get the vaccine. You know, that that don't fully understand the science. That don't understand the, you know, the stats and everything else. Not everyone. A lot of people do, and I get it. Um, and, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll be getting the vaccine because I like to travel, you yeah. know, um, but do I think it's, you know, experimental? Do I think it's, you know, I, I know people that are working at UQ that are working on that vaccine there that, um, that just won't have it, yeah. you know, uh, so it's, it's, yeah, it's,
1: a- it's a, it's a debatable. And that's why you've got to take the gray out of it. And again, no different when you're starting a business. A lot of people operate in the gray. They look in the mirror and go, yeah, I've got, I'm opening a coffee shop. I see all the time. I'm opening a coffee shop. I'm going to do really well. Why? And they go, "What are you talking about why what What are you offering different to the other ten people in your street? What are you doing different? You know Are you going to have a better customer loyalty program? Are you going to you know have uh, compete on price? are you going to compete? What are you competing on what's your what's your point of difference what's your relevance to market? What problem are you going to solve you know and keep it black and white, but people don't. They keep it in the gray uh, and it's funny so it's not whether it's vaccines, whether it's starting a business, whether it's an argument with somebody. I see it this way, you see it that way. Well how about we just agree to disagree? Yeah. You know, at the moment I'm trying to force my opinion on you, we've got a problem. I was talking to a lady today, um, who was, you know, visibly shaken because she'd just spoken to a doctor, you know, and long story short, this person's been her doctor for 20 years. And she said, my doctor today abused me. And I said, what do you mean? Cause I refused to have the vaccine. There's an older lady. Wow. I refuse to have the vaccine. I'd rather self isolate. I live on acreage. Um, I'm 70 years old. I don't need to have the vaccine. Um, I'm comfortable not having it, but I'm also comfortable not, you know, being around and being vo- vulnerable to others. Um, so I'm happy to say. My doctor said to me, "You should be getting it for yourself, you know, you to make yourself better, because if you got COVID, you could die." Da 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 da. Now that there was nothing wrong with that, mm. it was the next part that she had to step the mark. You're selfish. You, you should be doing it for your neighbors. You should be doing it for your family members. You and she goes, "This is a doctor who's forcing her opinions on me," mm. which. If you're in the financial services business right now, right. you're not allowed to give certain yeah. types of advice. Yeah, you've got a job. exactly right. <laughs> Yet these people can give medical advice with no facts, no factual. They're allowed to operate in the grey. What's the downside? Politicians are allowing it to happen, hmm. you know, and politicians, I say, don't know what they're doing at the best of times, let alone in a time of uncertainty and crisis. We're in a lot of hurt right now because you've got the wrong people sitting in the wrong seats of the bus making the wrong decisions. Completely agree with you, and I think uh, it's – it, it's horrifying
0: to sort of sit back and watch it, but um yeah, yeah. What do you, what do you, where do you think the economy's
1: heading? I mean, this is a bit of a broad. Yeah. Well, let's know. segues into it, right? The economy is heading into uncertainty. So you've got two extremes. It's a yeah. two-speed economy right now. There's the people that are saving and and preparing for the worst, you know, and there's those that are spending like there's no tomorrow. Yeah. So there's no in between. So people are either holding on to cash reserves because there's uncertainty and don't know what's going on, or on the other extreme people are spending and going, Well, you know what, I'm gonna live my life, I'm gonna go for it. And so we're seeing things and you know that are just going out of control, like you know, second hand cars. You know, you know, I I had a collection of cars and I thought, well, I normally lose money on cars so I'm selling them now because I'm getting 30-40% more so I'm back down to just one car um, because I'm never going to be able to sell my cars and actually not lose as much money you know the, the coffee machines every time there's a lockdown coffee machines are out of stock you know people just go nuts on coffee machine you know every time the um, lockdowns open up fine dining restaurants are, are packed but not only are they packed because I've got a share in some of them um they're up twenty, thirty percent of spend. People are going nuts. Incredible. You know, and, and so it, what we're seeing with the economy is a two speed economy. We're seeing, you know, areas where people are very tight and holding on to their money of uncertainty, and then we're seeing certain areas where they're just cut and loose.
0: But the underlying thing there seems to be fear, right? So fear creates anxiety. Mm-hmm. And they, how do you solve that anxiety? So it's so a fight or flight. So, yeah. way, so people, are, so you buy things, you, you shop, you buy you know, the latest. And, and so I think that extreme is
1: happening, is a lot of people changing jobs. Yep. And it's yep. it's all to the feel, the feeling better, right? It is, it is. And that's, that's the mindset. The only way around that is meditation, breathing, mindset, slow things down if you're not sure, don't make the decision. You know, I talk about my risk management plans always, get comfortable with your worst case scenario. And I think there's never been a better time where people need to really map out, they need to get a piece of paper and a pen, they need to write down whatever it is that they're thinking about doing, and then they need to go, right, what are all the worst possible things that can happen? And if you go tick, 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 I'm comfortable with all that, then go ahead. But if you go tick, cross, 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 tick, cross... Don't do things. Don't, you're not comfortable with the worst possible scenario. Then don't, whatever it is, don't change jobs, don't change partners, don't, whatever, don't don't take the vaccine, do take the vaccine. What is the worst case scenario that you are comfortable with? And then don't let anything stop you once you, you've got, you know, it's all green lights. Go ahead. Absolutely love that. I think the Stoics had a a name for
0: that, which was to sit and contemplate everything that could, (laughs) could go wrong before you went to sea or whatever it was. so, t- tell me a bit about sort of the you know the, the the core values that that are driving you right now to sort of support and help other entrepreneurs. Like you, you're mm-hmm. sort of going out there. It seems like you are, on with even through Coffee Commune, right? Yeah, you're yeah. sort of supporting. You're helping. You're
1: doing yeah. all this. So this- trust, um, community, um, uh, integrity, reliability. These these are the core fundamentals of what Commune's built on. So you know trust, accountability, um, integrity, reliability, uh, and community. You know, um, and fun, fun because at a time, you know, fun, I would not not have put there if it was pre COVID, uh, because, you know, it's just a given. Whereas with, with COVID, fun is an important value to remember, um, because I find myself and I'm a very optimistic, positive person, but sometimes I can get really down. You know, my, my wife said in the last lockdown really shook me up, um, a fair bit because it, we, you know, I don't know for what reason, but it, all that came to mind that Saturday was the poor people getting married today.
0: Yeah, You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah. the
1: first thing that came to mind was the poor people getting married. They're walking, some of them walking into a church at 11 o'clock. Mm. They're walking out and they've just heard that there's no celebration because lockdown's are 4 o'clock. So it's just, and I'm just, I'm a very vivid person. Like, yeah. So yeah. I'm picturing that's me walking in, coming out. you got 200 guests. If you're Greek, you've probably got 600 guests Um, and going, well, what do we do now? There is no well, celebration.
0: Uh, Shan's uh, just lost, uh, uh, you know, 107 uh, great-grandma down in... Uh, down in Casino, and you know, you, she couldn't go to the funeral. Yeah. And and you you think of the, is it fully necessary? or Not, so it's not really. But it, it sort of fuels that.
1: that of course, it does, it, and know. that gives you more anxiety, right? Because it gets yeah. people asking the question of why. But then, and then the consistency of governments. You know, but the the, the AFL players and the NRL players can come and play football, but I can't can and see a loved one dying. There's been numerous cases where a woman, you know, a lady, a mother couldn't get back to her children to look after them because she was caught on the other side of the border. You know, it's just it's just ludicrous because there's no consistency, there's no thought process in what people are doing. Um, and I say that comes down to the wrong people sitting on the wrong seats of the bus making the wrong decisions yeah
0: yeah i mean for for me we're you know i've seen a lot more well, in the music industry and it just makes no sense you got it's a whole industry of and it, there's there's musicians that will just not that's probably a generation of them now that's approaching that just won't, it won't be there. So it's like an art form's getting lost in a way. Mm. But, um, you know, sporting events, it's fine. So yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's there's it's, not again, no consistency, right? Yeah. You know, and, and that's unfortunate. And this is why, you know, I say we've got to, we are allowing people to bring the conversation into grey areas. People of are the, those that are in a place of influence and, 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 and authority need to come back and start talking about black and white. You know, let's talk about facts and data, not opinions. Let's talk about black, white, not grey because the grey's dominating. And whilst the grey, area dominates, and that's no different to business. Um, you know, you've got in business, it's very black and it's very white. I'm reading Simon Sinek's um, Infinite Games, which I'm loving, yeah, um, you know, because people treat business as a game. It's not a game. You know, I've said that, and that's why I love the book. It resonates. Someone gave it to me and said, read this, you'll love it. Um, I say business is not a game. Business is about building legacies. Business is about helping people. Business is about solving problems. Business is not about a game. A game is basketball. You know, two teams, you play for X amount of time, there's a winner, there's a loser, or there's a draw. Simple. But in business you don't know whether you're going to win you don't know whether you're going to lose there's no just two sides you know the business is an infinite game it's a it's a game that keeps on going and it keeps on changing and it keeps evolving so the people that do well in business whether you're working in it whether you own it doesn't matter are those that understand that the parameters are changing all the time you know covid's not an issue covid's something that we have to take in our stride and look at and you know and i hate the word pivot but everyone overused it like there's no tomorrow in the last 18 months but Today it's COVID. Tomorrow it'll be something else. Uh, this is is no different. You know, it's no different than when the the um, the fires were on down south, when there was a drought on for farmers, when there's a flood on. You know, there's always going to be something that pops up that you need to plan around. Uh, you know, and that's why we talk about scenario planning. You should be planning for all scenarios when you're in business. You know, just to, on on a personal level, you should be planning for all scenarios. You know, I say to people, once you're married, that's a great time for you to work out what your divorce looks like. You know, because the worst case is you're going to get divorced, right? Yes, right. So the best time to plan what happens when you break up is when you're together and you love each other, not once you break up and things, you know, and how many people I've given that advice to? Some have listened, some haven't. And I can tell you the ones that haven't are paying the price and (laughs) those that have. And I tell you, me and my wife, we, you know, once we got married, we had children, everything got set up properly. We're in, we've got trust accounts. Everything's in trust. It's owned by all of us. Um, if my wife's leaving me. She's selling the kids. If I'm leaving her, I'm selling the kids. That ain't going to happen. You know, I leave her, she leaves me, whatever. It's, it's, it's a people how can you be that, you know, negative? I'm not. I'm actually being cautious. I'm scenario yeah, it's, planning. It's, it's scenario planning. No different yeah. to writing a will. You know, yeah. you write a will for when you're not here. So why? So everyone's looked after. Everything's done.
0: It's been comfortable with the uncomfortable, right? In, totally. In the day, a lot of people avoid the the tricky, the, the hard, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, you just mentioned the great example of people with COVID, you know, just party, party, party. And then, you know, so, it's-
1: and I was talking to someone from Sydney today and I said, how can this keep going? And he's like, let me tell you. He goes, I live across the road from a park. And he goes, there'd be nothing under hundreds of people in that park every morning. Half of them don't have masks on. They're all hugging. They're all doing yoga. He goes, there's just disregard and no respect. And he goes, and you know, as we know, it just spreads like wildfire. And he goes, it's all because, he goes, but we're up in Queensland. We see your guys. And, okay, whether lockdown's right or wrong doesn't matter. But the result, there's no cases. There's limited cases. Because, you know, Queenslanders, Brisbane people are more parochial. We're more, we're more mateship. We are more mateship. We're more, but there's also other parameters. We've also got less population. We've got warmer weather. We've got more space per capita. So as I was explaining to him that there are other factors that are in play, not just because we're more obedient, even though we are, right? There's less arrogance in Brisbane and I'm not cracking the Sydney guys. It just is what it is. There's a lot more mateship, look after each other, but we've also got environment factors we've got hotter weather we've got more space to each other yep. we're a lot cleaner city because you've got one city council not 55 city councils um there's a whole other range of reasons why um covid results here are much better so you know and you can look at it with a different lens and say well should they be burying the premier of new south wales and putting our premier on a pedestal well the answer is no because different scenario different different game yep. you go back to that game an in infinite game you know, they're trying to treat it like a game. It's not. It's an infinite game. Every day something new is coming. You know, there's no winning. There's no losing. This is going to be um, ongoing. The, the scenario, the game's going to keep going and the and the rules are going to keep changing and the players are going to keep changing.
0: And, and do you think, sort of circling to the economy piece, are, are we, you know, it seems to me like everything's gotten pushed to push down to this year and then we've done the lockdowns again, uh, say in Australia, and... You know, how far can that keep going if it is another year or two? I mean, a lot of businesses, we're on the front lines of uh, helping small businesses and, uh you know, it's it's horrifying some of the calls you, you listen to. Well,
1: there's no more cash reserves, right? So something's going to give. Um We're not in this together. The moment that, um, you know, you keep saying we're in this together, but, you know, anyone working in the public service hasn't, hasn't lost a day's pay. Um, you know, they're actually getting one or two days off to be able to go get vaccinated, which is a bit of a slap in the face to, to small and family business and medium business, um, and it's the job. people they employ. Yeah. Um, it's a slap in the face. It really is. It's, it's, it's like a backhander with a smirk. You know, oh, we're, we're giving our employees, you know, um, the government employees a day off. Um, you know, so we are in, you, you are, I, my prediction, unfortunately, is that, it, there's going to be a lot of social unrest, um, and rightly so. Um, you know, and I don't condone bad behaviour, but there is a lot of ill feeling and social unrest because you've got two rules. You've got rules for government, you know, officials, politicians, and workers, um, and you've got rules for everybody else. Now, if you take government out of the picture, the biggest employer is small family business. It's a no-brainer, right? Yeah. Yet nothing for them is guaranteed. Um, you know, whereas if I work for government right now and I've got friends and family and relatives that work for government, they're still getting paid regardless. Um, Their benefits are only getting better. Like I said, they get a day, two days off paid leave to go and get their the COVID injection. You know, they get the liberty. They're getting told, oh, don't come into work, stay home and work from home. Um, and we all know that's not as productive. Yep, there's some really good people that make it productive, but the majority don't. Um. So it's not an evil playground. So what does that lead to? Social unrest. Um, we're not on all this together. Don't patronise me by saying that because we're not. And again, the black and the white argument and the grey area. So that someone listening to this will say, Phil's an absolute idiot. Um, they're operating in grey. I've just given you the black and the white. You can't say we're in this together, but yet anyone in government or with a government job or a politician, not just politicians, with a government job is still earning the same dollar that they were yesterday, today. Nobody in small, medium business... Is earning the same money today of what they did yesterday. Nor are their employees. Then you know, and there's a lot of people with no work. You know, look at personal trainers. Every time there's a lockdown, they got zero. I oh, think yeah. yeah. you know, hairdressers, anyone that works by the hour, masseuse, you know, physiotherapists. The list goes on. Yep. There's just no thought process. Mm-hmm. Musicians, you know, there is no thought process to what goes on behind this. So you know, my dad always said in the Italian version, "You don't know what you don't know." Yep. Um, and you can't tell me, you know, and be empathetic if you're not in a position of hardship. You know, our premier, everyone else's premier, the prime minister, they're all the same. This is not about what side of government. None of them. And isn't it funny that not one person, not one government elected official who's elected by the people has put their hand up and said, I'll take a pay to cut. Mm. Yeah, they're all in it together, right? Yeah. Us and them, you know? Um, they're in it. Whereas I'm still paying people that, you know, if, even if they couldn't come to work, I'm still paying them because I've got the cash reserves to do so and I don't want to lose good employees. It, it, it worries me. I think there's definitely,
0: you know, you, the people that sort of go down the, the road of going, Hey, there's a perfect storm brewing here. You can clearly point to that. Like if you go, okay, well, it's the small businesses drive our economy. There's only so much they can take. If it keeps going down, lockdown, lockdown, lockdown. Um, you look at the, the situations where vaccinated communities, uh, it just hasn't worked. Mm. Um, you know, so, so if, if that doesn't work for us as well, then, um, it's, yeah, it, it could, it could get worse, right? Well, it,
1: it, I don't know if you saw the headline today. The no? Queensland Premier's come out and said, well, I can't guarantee with 80% vaccination that we won't go into lockdown. Well, now, there's, here's black and white, not grey, then why will people go get vaccinated? We're at 28 well, or 30% vaccination. That's it. And, right. and
0: as of now, there's no difference by being vaccinated. you still got to wear the mask. Correct. It's got to, it doesn't change your life anyway. Right.
1: So how are we going to get to 80% vaccinated? Yeah. But then you are just said to people today that even at 80%, you don't guarantee there won't be any lockdowns. You know, yeah. this is the stupidity of, of people. Now, in a business, in private business, and I don't care how small, whether it's a start or massive business, you don't put – People that are not capable in the wrong seats, yeah, right, and if you do, you get rid of them pretty good, yeah. oh you have to yeah right um, government you know, how can you have a premier allowed to say something like that? How can they even fathom doing that? How does a premier of any state, not just our premier, get up and hold the mask up and say, "See this, this is what makes this when did you become a medical expert? Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I agree with masks because doctors have been using them for hundreds of years in, you know, operations and all the rest of it. So there's proven... Well, I, was, the fact I of think it's good, is. but if
0: you, if you think about, like, a lot of... Because masks are uncomfortable, right, the, the itchy plastic ones, everyone's, everyone's getting the cotton ones and they're, they're great and everything well, but it's the protocol of actually making a mask useful, you know, the de-scrubbing or, de- or whatever it is, you know, it's a process. If, if you've actually been exposed to the virus, you touch the outside of the mask. Now, the way people are using masks in the community today, it's... No, finish. It's just not effective.
1: No, of course not. And, and that's what I'm saying. If you use them like the medicos do, that's where these disposable ones, they wash their hands. Yeah. Have you seen once, when was the last time you heard any politician say, wash your hands? Yeah. <laughs> that's long gone. Remember when they, in the beginning, how it all started? And, and I always use uni as an birthday example. <laughs> yeah, well, it was, wash your hands, wear a mask, and take your temperature. Yeah. When you walked yeah. into a Uniglo store. Right. And they proved that if you washed your hands with disinfected, you spray, they actually spray your hands with their, their disinfected, you wear a mask and they take your temperature, 99% eradication, mm-hmm. meaning you won't, 99% chance you won't bring COVID into that venue.
0: It's, it's, there's just the ludicrous, result. like if you, if we're at the markets on, on the weekend wearing the masks and, um, and then all the kids go to a local playground, but they don't need to wear masks, right? So all the parents, they're, they're all playing and obviously they can spread COVID, catch COVID. Um, it just, when you actually think through, like if, if the virus can travel in the air, four metres, five metres, stay on surfaces, period of time, all this sort of stuff, there is just no
1: chance of stopping that in that scenario. So, um, it, yeah. It, There's a lot to learn from that, right? Cause again, for, for the listeners, it's, it's, it's about bringing it back and going, well, what's the message in that? Isn't no that different in business? You know, and it all ties down to what we were saying before. Are you operating in black and white? So you're operating in facts and data or are you operating in opinions, you know, in the grey? Um And that's what we've got. And the key message that I'd say to people, and like I said, in business, and, and I use politics to learn a lot, right, is don't put the wrong people in the wrong seats making the wrong decisions. Um yeah. it's very simple. Don't do it in your organization, don't do it with your friendship groups. Um you know, don't do it with your husband and wife. You know, don't pick the wrong person to be your partner um and make the wrong decisions. I mean, it's you know, it goes for whatever the scenario is, it's no different. So whether it the covid's just a great way for those people and i try trying to do this with my kids, they're 13 and 11. Um I use I'm using the current topic of covid that is obviously very topical and everyone's talking about it, to try and teach them to be analytical. But yeah. also my wife's teaching them to be the calm in the storm. Love so that. she's using the opportunity to go, when there's a storm, you need to be the calm one. Yep. So she's using the current environment to teach the kids calmness. I'm using the current environment to teach the kids analytical brain. Don't regurgitate what people say. Don't operate in the grey. Look at the data. Look at the facts. Both sides of the argument. Try and analyse it. You know, talk to people that are smarter than you. Um, don't be a sheep and analyse what's coming at you. So that's the positive influence we're trying to have. Absolutely love that. And I, I think that is, that is the message
0: that, you know, everybody should be thinking about right now is instead of just taking things for what they are or, or you know, unfortunately, as you, you've, you know, rightly pointed out, the leadership's questionable at the time and, uh, you've got to get your own information and you've, you know, unfortunately it's harder to get information now than it's been in the past, but, um, now that's, that's, um, now I just want to ask a quick question. Um, you know, in terms of all of this going on, what is the challenge for entrepreneurs moving forward? I mean, it, in some ways it's easier to run a business. Um, uh, there's new sort of, you know, waves coming of, um, in, in different areas. If you were starting a business as of right now, uh, what do you think the challenges are just in terms of the landscape and everything and all these yeah, things? Good
1: question because um as I said, this is the first time in my forty six year history that I've lived in uncertain times. Yeah. You know, like we haven't been through a war. If you talk to older people, I'll tell you that have been through a war, um, you know, I was talking to someone who'd been in World War One and said, Well, you know, it, this is a little bit different, but not really, you know, you know, any time of war, world war, um, there's uncertainty. We've never lived in a world war, you know, I'm forty six, so this is the first time of uncertainty. My my best advice would be um no, definitely your risk management plan. Um, am I comfortable with the worst possible scenario? So, yeah. you know, if you're – and I did that. Like people said, how did you start a business in COVID? How did you start coffee commune in COVID? Well, because I looked at my worst-case scenario. Worst-case scenario is I start this business, I lose X amount of dollars. Is it going to change my lifestyle No. Simple. Yep. So from a financial point – um I didn't bet the house. So anyone that's got to bet the house to start a business, my answer would be don't do it, right? Unless you're very comfortable to bet the house, lose it all, um, you know, and all the rest of it. So the, the number one advice would have to be that get comfortable with the worst possible scenario. And
0: you had some words with was earlier. With um, and, and I relate to this because it was at the time when I launched. Um, you know, I was 23 when we started um, sponsored links, and. It was very clear, Shannon and I, and I said, listen, you're going to come second. (laughs) You know, this is going to be business first. And, and, and it was a very clear conversation and we understood that and we knew it's like we we had to put all and everything into it, um, to, to make it work. And, um, yeah, I don't know what's really going with that, but the the point is really that, um, yeah, I, I think there's, it's really, that's exactly what it takes, right? To, to, and especially in times like this, mm. you know, you've got to kind of weigh up what those options are. And if the worst case option is, you know, um, you've got to be prepared to do whatever it takes.
1: Totally. Totally. It's, it's like some people are saying, I don't know whether I want to have kids right now because I don't know what world I'm going to bring them in. And that's their right to do so. I call that responsible. Yeah. You know, people that are responsible are saying, hang on, I'm, I'm going to hold off having kids because I'm just not sure what the future looks like. Um, and some people might say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, that's your opinion. Mm. You know, someone else looks at it and says, that's responsible. Because we don't know what it's going to look like. Yep. You know, so I'll tell you what, one thing's for sure, our kids and their kids' kids are going to be paying some sort of levies and fees to be cleaning up the mess, unfortunately, of what the current, you know, that what's currently happening, you know, all the handouts and the debt and all the rest of it. Someone's got to pay for it. So, you know, and, and like I said, the people in leadership positions right now, they're not thinking about 20 years time. They're thinking about the next campaign when it comes to be voted in or out, yeah. you know, and yeah. it is what it That's is, right. you know.
0: A quick question for you: If you could uh, give advice to your sixteen-year-old self now, in hindsight, and
1: you know, whisper in the ear and say say something, what what would it be? Yeah, Um, make sure to to. Work on the the health. So um, at sixteen, I was healthy. I'm fit, and I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, you're invincible. Um, and then you know, come mid twenties, you're not. Um, is that um, you know the the probably the key take is that it's uh, every day's a journey. You've got to work at it, and that goes for your weight. Just like you turn up and work on your business, or you work on your marriage, or you work on your your relationships. You've got to work on yourself. Um, and I've learnt that more so in the last ten years, well, probably five years, you know, six years, I'd say, from forty when the light bulb went off. Had I been sixteen and and really been switched onto that, it would have um, saved me, you know, fourteen years, you know, well, sorry, twenty-four years of, of um, being in a better position. So. And, and
0: it seems to me, like as an outsider, that sort of you, you're finding that balance now. You're finding that, and as you rightly pointed out earlier, there's, there's never it's not, no such thing as balance, right? Yeah. But um, you know, is is that just through going down one road and going okay, now for you know, and, and luckily you've you've sort of had the benefit of it's
1: reflection yeah it's it's being able to sit back and just go right um you know, it's a bit like timelines exercise we'll be doing soon, you know, about, you know, what, what happened in this decade, this decade, this decade, this decade. And it's all about reflecting and going, what was the highlight? What was the low point? What was the highlight? What was the low point and reflection? You know, people just, you know, especially people that have, you know, built successful businesses like yourself and all this stuff. It's just, it's go, 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 go. And not enough look back in the revision room and say, what worked? What didn't? What do I need to do? And then go again. Um, and that's the key. That's the, that's what I'd be telling the 16 year old self is that you need to, you need to go, then you need to stop, reflect, yeah. go. Stop. Reflect. Go. And uh, I had a
0: benefit of going to a retreat that uh, I know you've been to before. And um, the idea of retreat, where you're literally retreating away from life, right? You, you're turning your phones off. You, you're not doing anything. You're retreating. Um, I found that really beneficial. And. The problem with me, though, I got more ideas to do more stuff. Yeah, and because, and I find when I'm <laughs> um, when I'm entrepreneurial, you've got to be creative. Yeah. You've got to be in that space where you're not stressed and mm. and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, that that's a really key takeaway. Um, uh, a quick one for you: if you could be uh, run an anonymous global campaign right now, and this is in the environment we're in right now, an anonymous global ad campaign that could reach billions of dollar, uh, billions of people, uh what would it say?
1: Be part of the change you want to see in the world. That's a like Gandhi's word. You know, and that's gonna be more prevalent moving forward than what it is even now. But be part of the change you want to see. Um and what what does that do? That hits multiple levels. That holds children where they go, I don't like this and I don't like that. Well, what are you gonna do about it to be different? You know, that that goes for workers and organizations, I don't like the way this company's run. I don't like the culture. Well, what are you going to do to be part of the change? It goes for us as individuals. You know, I don't like the way I look. Well, what am I going to do to be part of that change? Or I don't like the way I'm interacting with X, Y, Z. Well, what am I going to do? What that is so powerful about, it stops the blame game. And I think a lot of people spend their time blaming somebody else or shifting blame or shifting focus away. And those simple words, be part of the change you want to see in the world, actually make so much sense on all levels. You know, be, meaning live, part. Take action of the change. Well, something you're identifying needs to be done differently. Um, You want to see. So it personalizes to you. So what are you doing about it? You know, you've got a vision for a better world, a better place. Well, what are you doing about it? And in the world means don't just think, don't don't just think inside your backyard or inside your house. Think globally. So very, very powerful words.
0: Absolutely love that. Um, What advice would you give to a smart driven college student uh, or university student about the real world, about what advice they should ignore?
1: Um Well, I'll tell you what I'd tell them, and then I'll tell you what to ignore because they both go hand in hand. This is the order of economics: earn, save, invest, spend. So, earn <laughs> in that order, <laughs> save, invest, then spend. Yeah. So, yeah, I've got a great life. I travel here, there, there. I got cars. I got this. I got that. Yeah, I've only been doing that for the last ten years. I earned my money, right? I saved my money. So, I started earning at fifteen. I saved. I invested in my first property at 21. By the age of 26, I had three properties. Right? Then I sold them to buy a commercial property. I invested. I kept investing. I then started a business and I saved and I earned and I saved and I invested. And then I had the high life. Right? So what I tell people is that what, what advice not to listen to? You can have it all. That whole concept of, you know, um, what was it? That book that came out that everyone was, was all about. I remember the cover, but I can't remember the title. Yeah. Um, You know, where you can, I want it. I can have it. Um, you you know, what was it? The, not the saving. What was it? I can't remember what it was. The, it started with S, the, the, the book that was about, you want it, you just take it. And the, the, um, the chasers actually did a funny scene yeah, on yeah. it where they walked into shops and started loading their trolleys up and walking out. They go, Hey, what are you doing? Oh, the secret. There you go. The secret. The secret. Yeah. 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 You know, they, oh, that's when they, they yeah. drive the car. Into right. the, uh, yeah. the, the bullshit. I tell people <laughs> the biggest advice don't believe is don't believe the secret. Yeah. Y- you can have it all. You can visualize it and just have it. Yeah. You can visualize whatever you want. If you don't get in the river and make it happen, you ain't got shit. That's right. So, yep. you know, they go hand in hand. Earn. Save, invest, spend. And no, you can't have it all. And no, it's not the secret about visualizing. And then you visualize it, you've got it. Not going to happen. Yeah. Worst advice I've ever heard.
0: <laughs> Absolutely love that. Um, with, um, you know, what sort of books are you reading right now? What are you learning? What are your passions? That uh, sort of, um, when you're in the flow state, when you find, you know, you're just losing time, what it is, what are you, what are you doing? And it yep. may, may not be. Coffee commune or something. No, no, no. What, what, what... So,
1: um, my go-to, um, on a YouTube is Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah, yeah. So a lot around, you know, mindset and physics, quantum physics, and he explains it the best. Yeah. well, Yeah. Um, yeah. So I love Dr. Joe stuff. Um, I still love a lot of Carol Dweck with the mindset stuff. Yeah. Yeah. To death. Yeah. Um, my book I'm reading at the moment is I'm finishing off Simon Sinek's infinite games. Um, the book I read prior to that, which I loved and I thought I'd hate it, but I didn't. And I did it through audio because it would have been hard to read was, um, happiest man on earth. Yeah, um, great book, The Frankel. Yep. Yeah, so great book. you think we've got issues? Well, you know, um, you know, and there's some scary resemblances with what's going on now, back to the Judas, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. So that sort of stuff. So I read a range and variety of stuff. Um. Practical stuff is probably the answer. Um. I don't read fiction. Um. I'm exactly the
0: same. I don't read fiction. I. Uh, yeah. I, I want to learn. And uh, yeah. Do, do you find yourself if you're not learned like you, you mentioned earlier, you struck me as somebody that's, that is just. A deep learner and inquisitive, I think you call it.
1: Very inquisitive and looking. I love talking to people. I love learning from different – I love asking questions. Um, you know, I don't – it doesn't – I don't have to have structure to it. To me, it's it's about being inquisitive all the time, you know, having a look at how things go, you know, uh, sitting down and watching how things in, interact, how they operate, how they don't. But again, I'm a visual learner. Um, I'm a practical learner. I'm not a book reader. You know, I wanted to be a lawyer, and when I did first-year law, there was no chance I could be a lawyer because I didn't want to read all that bullshit they gave me. You know, I was great with anything practical, um, but come to reading case studies and reading all the rest of it, I'd read the practical stuff, but all the jargon, law, and litigation, forget it. I was no good at it. Mm. Um, and, and the key with me is I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not. Yeah, and, yeah. And I don't take a cop out. I just said, no, you can't be good at everything. Um, and when I say good is, you know, anyone can do anything if they want to, but that's the point. There's some things I just don't want to do. I don't want to read
0: fair. And, and that talks to team, right? Like at the end of the day, if you, you speak to the most successful CEOs in the world, they'll they'll a lot of them will just be team, 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 team. Um same for yourself. Like have you is it, for you, I guess you use the people piece, the brand yep. piece, all those sort of skills we talked to earlier, but ultimately what
1: you're doing there is you're building a team. You're building people. You're building people. Yeah, so it starts with build yourself and then build the people around you. Yeah. You know, and I always say, um people are like fishing, right? You know, you, you can't catch fish without bait. And if you can, if you put the wrong bait on your hook, you catch the wrong fish. So people go, so you calling your team bait, yeah. Um, very useful, right? Try catching a fish without bait. You're in trouble. So, um, yeah, you know, yeah. it's develop yourself first and develop your people second, you know, and if you, you develop yourself right and you develop your people second and develop, I mean, you can't make anybody. You can only make yourself, right? You, you, you encourage people. You provide an environment for people. You provide that environment. You provide that encouragement. You provide the resources, bring external resources in, give them opportunity to learn stuff, to go and do courses, whatever it is. Um, everything, anything they can put into that resource bag that helped them, um, be better tomorrow than what they are today. Um, and if they do that and you've got an amazing team, then amazing things happen. And the example I use there, and I use it all the time, and two number one football players in the world, you know, football being soccer. So number two, number, the two best arguably, they argue who's first and who's second, doesn't matter. Call them both the best in the world is Messi and Ronaldo. Yep. Yep. Neither of them have won a World Cup. Yeah, wow. Well. Right? You've got two best players in the world. They've never won a World Cup, which is the epitome that any player wants to win. Why? Because there's 11 people that play in a soccer team at any one time, not one person. Yeah, so that same. Ronaldo can score the goals he wants in the world. He's always the highest, like European, he was the highest score, goal scorer, I believe. But Portugal didn't win, Italy win because it's team sport yeah. and that's what business is. You know, business is not about one person. So, you know, anytime you think it's about you, think about Ronaldo and Messi never winning a World Cup to date. You know, and that'll help you demystify the concept that it's not about you, it's about a team.
0: Absolutely love that. And I think you know, obviously it's solving a problem, it's it's getting it's getting the um you know, you talked to the legacy piece earlier, right? You're building something that's solving this this big part of the world, but it's employing people, it's fixing. it's making people's lives better in some way. Yeah, correct. Um now um do you have an unusual habit or thing that you do? I mean, you mentioned earlier the, the, the breathing thing, which is not unusual because it's, it's pretty, pretty. You know, it's a, yeah, it's I've a got sense.
1: one. Yeah. Um I love. I get a great satisfaction of cleaning shit, like, <laughs> and, and meaning, you know, I'll, I'll go on a shopping spree and I'll go and buy four or five shirts and yeah. a couple of pair of pants and. You know, and my wife goes, "Here we go." You watch what happens when you get time. I get a big garbage bag out to donate so that I can donate stuff. And I go through my wardrobe and I get rid of five, six t-shirts and two, three pants, and and and, and some of them might have tags on them still. They just they've been in there for two years and never worn it. So I'm a practical person. So I get a great satisfaction of cleaning shit out, and I put it in the bag, and then I take it down the lifeline. You know. And, and I go there and I donate it and I go, here we go. You know, once I went down there with two suitcases full of stuff and I'm unloading the car and there's a guy there and they were closed. And I said, mate, you're doing it tough. He goes, yeah, I'm doing it really tough. I said, here you go, here's two suitcases. He goes, what's in here? I said... Take what you can use and what you can't sell it because you'll, you'll do well. You know, there was sh- <laughs> all sorts of stuff in there. Louis Vuitton shoes and all this stuff. But I get, I get a real sense of satisfaction, um, out of just cleaning shit. You know, like I, I don't like full inboxes. So my inbox has got to be zero. You know, it's got to get filed away or it's got to get dealt with. I don't like, yep. there's no text messages on my phone. I deal with the text message. I delete it. You yep, know, yep. Um, my wife says, if you stand still long enough and you're not in a place that you need to be, he'll throw you out. So <laughs> I'm known to throw shit out that's never been used or it's not in our it's place. Your Order, very yeah, no hoarding here, very clean. And I, I think it's because years ago, I got taught from a very young age, I can't remember if I was read a book, or, but it was about using your brain like a filing cabinet. Yep. You know, move it in, move it out, move it across. You don't need it, get rid of it, da-da-da-da. And it's something that stuck with me. So it's something, I'm like that in the pantry. So I get a sick Satisfaction of going through the pantry and go, nope, never use it, bin. Um, yeah, cleaning shit out and reorganizing. Minimalism, it's a big trend. Yeah, I just, that's, that's something that I don't often, well, I don't think I've ever shared it, but that's something that I, um, I get a sick fascination oh, in. Sh- sh-
0: shared first, there you go. Um, is there any bad recommendations, recommendations that you hear a lot, um, you know, to, to young people, to entrepreneurs or, um, that just, yeah, I understand
1: that frickin' fake it till you make it. Having yeah. started a business in New York and spent many years in you know spent four years in New York um building Abbotsford Road and I've now sold it um, my share to the other partner but um this whole bullshit of fake it till you make it when you spend a bit of time in New York and you go. I don't like fake it. You can't like it. These monkeys with $3,000 suits, but can't afford dinner. Um, yeah, no, this is not this. I, see, I'm a very authentic person. Uh, I don't, I don't like that whole fake it till you make it. And I think it's a message that gets talked about too much. You got to fake it till you make it. No. And the other one that used to be 20 years ago, you got to hustle. You got to hustle. Hustle means you're going to screw me over. I'm not yeah. doing business with someone to screw me over. Yep. So they're the two pet hates, you know, and no, it's not about hustling and no, I agree. I, I hear hustle and yeah, I think the same thing. Mm. That's, so that's urgency. Um, yeah. But urgency is not hustling.
0: Yep. yep. Um, are there any quotes that sort of get you through? Like I sort of mentioned a few on this, um, show so far, but, um, for me, there was make your profession your obsession and never work a day in your life. Mm. That, that really stuck with me. Um, and it's, again, getting in a flow state, and then you... Um,
1: well, I've got a few, it. but most of them are mine. So I talk about life's measured in moments. So I was going to bring that up. So so life's measured in moments is a big one for me. I've taken um, that. Um, yeah, well, and that came from reading The Dash, Yeah. Um, okay. you know, the poem The Dash. You, you know, the day on your tombstone is the date you were born, a dash, and the day you die, and well, all we get known really. for is the dash, and that's why I talk about, well, life's measured in moments, not measured about anything else. You don't go to funerals and they talk about, you know, how many cars, how many... Properties, how many of this? They talk about moments. Everyone talks about the moments that people got to share. Um, the other ones about ourselves as individuals, um, you know, where I talk about people's limitations are often self-imposed you know yeah, we yeah, limit yeah. we put blankets on ourselves or worse we put blankets on others um and we limit people's limitations um and especially if you're in a position of leadership you should be not doing that you shouldn't be you know um putting limitations on on team members and people around you so that's another one of my my favorites that you know I talk about it's actually on the bottom of my email address is, you know people's limitations are often self-imposed
0: absolutely love that absolutely love
1: that um, well, we're going to wrap
0: up. Uh, that was absolutely uh, – my mind is absolutely full of information there. We keep uh,
1: talking and talking and talking. Um, now, where do people find you online? Where do, where do they – Yep. so they can obviously LinkedIn, Philip DeBella or Facebook. Um, and I've also got my own flashcast. So a lot of the stuff that people like what we hear and all the rest of it. So I've called – it's um, on Apple and all that. And it's called Flashcast by PDB, all one word. And they're all just 10 minutes and talk about personal, professional family. My kids are on it. My wife's on it. Um, different stuff. One a week released and this one was about seven ways to kick ass in life got released on sunday um, Love that. yeah so they can follow that and I started that there's no sponsorship there's no commerciality behind it um the reason I did that is a lot of people say oh can we, where do we hear you speak or can we get mentoring or um, you know and your reach gets limited with time so the podcast and I pay for it there's no sponsorship I do it because it's a great way to reach and you know um, in the last t- um, twenty four months I think it's been in the top ten in Australia a few times so you know, not bad for something that doesn't get paid to promote and, and all the rest of it. But they're all just 10 minute, they're 10 minute, under 10 minutes, short, sharp, um, you know, messages about life, um, you know, whether it's marketing, startup business, whether it's, um, personal, whether it's about building goals and the rest of it. There's about 170 episodes to date. So yeah, if people can get a hold of that, if they, you know, if they like what I'm about and, and some things they're going to love, some things they're not, and that's okay. Um, you know, if everyone you grab a little bit from everybody, there's always something to learn from anyone. Um, you know, then we all, and I do that all the time. I listen to all sorts of stuff. And, and, and I'll agree with that or I won't agree with that, but I I, I listen and I absorb it and, and then I turn it and I have a look and, and and workshop it to see how it suits me and works for me. Well, that was
0: absolutely incredible. Um, I've just gotten so much out of that personally and I uh, know our listeners would have done. Um, so the best thing about this is you can play it back, they can listen to it again. Yeah. Uh, we'll do a few different um, uh, edits of this to try and get the best uh, takeaways as well. Uh, Phil, thank you so, so much for today. Thanks, mate. really appreciate it.
1: Awesome. Cheers.